1: What up, Nick? Can't hear you. Are you muted? Wow. Yeah, I'm totally muted. We're back. Scoreboard Act Podcast <laughs> back once again. Good to see you, T. Party on. Party on, Nick. Party on T. Uh, Rook's out this week. New baby, starting a new job. So it's gonna be
2: Get the
1: that's a great song you and i that's a do that's it a great baby song. i'm pumped it's a great song like it's will smith did a great uh sample of that i thought that was a great song especially like if i don't have kids but it, if you're a dad you've got to relate to that song so much and then yeah, of course Evil will smith might slap you so who knows <laughs> and then of course dr evil wrote a, wrote a great song Classic. And if you have a clone, Clones. I can imagine you really can relate to that. If you have a clone of yourself, that's like one-eighth of your size. Yeah, I, I would feel bad if I had a Mini-Me clone because that would be a really tiny clone. <laughs> You're big where it counts in your heart. Yeah, in the gut. <laughs> but uh yo, we're back. It's been an interesting oh, week of goodness. sports. Final week of the preseason, a lot of cuts the last few days, um, especially from our Jets. Our Jets had a ton of cuts. Uh, I had a, a few surprises a on mine. And a lot of uh, waiver pickups, huh? Not for the Jets, honestly. They only picked up one guy off the waiver wire to add to the practice squad, but a lot of teams picked up the Jets' uh, cuts through the waiver wire. Man. Like six guys got picked up from that were cut from the Jets, picked up by other teams. So, I mean, you can look at it two ways. You can look they at it like – Say again? Say that one more on? time. I said it nobody wanted Mims. Well, he's not getting cut because he wants they want to trade, they want to trade him. They're not going to give him away for nothing. Right, but there's just no interest in him, which is amazing because it, it, I would love to know, like he's obviously got the athletic talent. Is it his inability to learn an offense like they kind of alluded to last year that he doesn't know the playbook? Is it that he's one of those players that's lazy and thinks he's Brett Favre and just like just put the ball in my hands, I'll make fit to learn your plays. Um, you know, I like I, I wish there was a definitive – I wish somebody would just come out and say, listen, he, he's lazy with the playbook or uh, he, he doesn't put the effort in in practice or he's just one of those players that doesn't give a shit. I, you know, like I, he's obviously very talented athletic-wise, so it, there's got to be something because we've seen some great plays out of him when he actually does get in the game and they get him the ball, but it, there's got to be something else to it. And I mean, I guess barring him leaving the team and the shit, you know, talking starting in the the pot stern, uh, I guess we won't find out until he pisses the wrong person off and they air it out. Or, I mean, is it that just they don't know how to utilize him? I, I I would love to find out. So I I honestly think it's. Uh, not necessarily that he doesn't want to learn the playbook or something like that. It may have been too difficult for him to catch up to last year. I just think overall he's undisciplined. I mean, he had like two hundred and fifty snaps last year, and he had eight mm-hmm. catches and five penalties. You, you can't have right. as many penalties as you do catches. That's just that's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 his argument will be like, well, I didn't get the opportunities that I I needed. But I mean, at the end of the season last year, we're we're running Tariq Black out there. Right. We had no wide receivers. Everybody's injured. And for whatever reason, you can't get on the field and not through. You could sit there and be mad at the coaching staff if you want, but they're the ones that decide whether or not you're going to play. So if you're not giving them that what they want, you're not going to play. I mean, it's not very simple. I mean, you know, I, 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 <clears throat> not to, to try to equate it to my job. I was telling my guys the other day, I was like, guys, when you're when you get an evaluation from somebody, you have a very simple job. Make that guy happy. And your eval looks great. And what do you care about what everybody else thinks? They don't write your eval. So if you're the, a wide receiver for the New York Jets, you really right. only have like one or two people to make happy. You got to make your offensive coordinator happy. And you got to make your wide receivers coach happy because he's going to tell the offensive coordinator, wow, this guy's putting in the work. Give him some reps. And then when you get on the field, nice. make your offensive coordinator happy. Because if you make your OC happy, you're going to have your head coach be happy. So who is he pissing off is the real question. And I got to say, like, again, 250 snaps, eight receptions, five penalties. That's a problem. You know, you you just can't – you can't – Yeah, I'd say so. You you can't have the minuses and the plus, like, equal the pluses because then you're you're a net of what? You know what I mean? Like, for every five yards you go forward, you're getting a 10-yard penalty. You suck. But – Yeah, it's – Really not something you could uh, hang your hat on. I, I mean, but uh they cut Chris, Chris Trevler only to owned sign him back to the practice squad. Right now. So they, they right, cut Chris obviously Trebbler. just save some money somewhere. Yeah. Wait, say that one more time. Say that one more time. All right. Is this... I said, which is obviously just a play to save some money somewhere, knowing that he's not going to go anywhere else. Oh yeah, they signed him to the practice squad today. I mean, uh, I I didn't think uh, m- that Mike White deserved to be on the team over Streverler. Not I mean, if you're just going based off what's happening this season or this this preseason, and you're not looking back mm-hmm. at last year and what Mike White was able to do. But if you really get rid of that Bengals game, which by the way he played amazingly in that Bengals game, if you get rid of that one game, honestly, he honestly didn't play well last year. You know, I mean, that's why they got no. Joe Flacco. They couldn't trust him to be the backup. Correct. Which, I mean, again, I, I love uh, Joe Flacco. I mean, as far as getting a veteran backup, uh, can you get better right now uh, with who's available in the league? Um, I don't think so. Mike White had that tremendous game against the Bengals, and then he played like, you know, Mike White plays. It's exactly what you expect him to play as. Um, I mean, that flash of greatness in the Bengals game was tremendous and you can't discount it. He did it. He went out there, he did it at a pro level. So, I mean, whatever it was, maybe he was riding high on adrenaline. I mean, maybe the Jets game plan was just solid through and through, but I mean, he had plenty of reps after that and he didn't show even, I would say, an eighth of the talent that he showed against the Bengals. So, you get what you get out of them, You know, he had that great series against the Bengals, and thank you for that. Thank you for that tremendous win. But it's, you know, statistics and, and you know, what kind of player you are is based on your entire portfolio, not just one game. So no surprise there. Absolutely. Um, I, I think uh, some of the surprise cuts uh, that I was, like, kind of, like, shaking my head over um, – and and not because I thought that they were extremely talented, but just because uh, some guys were drafted and there was a lot right. of hype around them. Absolutely. Actually, there were a lot of guys that were drafted. And I was kind of like, wait, that, that that guy, when we drafted that guy, it was like, oh, this guy's going to be the steal. You know, for for instance, Hamza uh, Dean. there was a lot of talk about him being like, hey, this guy's going to be a stud. They cut him. Now they re-signed him to the practice squad um but the way i'm looking at it is this guy was an all american you yeah. know at florida state playing safety they moved him to linebacker and he's not doing that well what's one position of need for the jets right now cuz last time i checked we don't have all pro safeties back there you know so maybe put him back where like he belongs because honestly he's not heavy do not. he's like 220 pounds. you know and I, and i get it the the linebackers are getting a lot uh right a lot skinnier faster i just when you see his body type he just doesn't look like a safe like a like a linebacker he looks like a safety you know so maybe that was part of his struggle that he was hard having a hard time putting that weight on if we remember back i mean it was a while ago what 12 years ago uh 13 years ago when cameron maben was on the jets he played outside linebacker and he kept getting too skinny he had a hard time keeping on he wanted to stay around 250 pounds and he could only get up to like 238 and it was it was a struggle going up against those offensive linemen uh, as a as a 3 4 uh outside linebacker so maybe maybe that was his struggle um they also cut uh they also cut Kenny Eboa who they just drafted um 2 years ago at, to play tight end he got cut Chuma Idoga who was in conversations with the Cowboys to get traded got cut I was very surprised about that because, like, I heard – I, I was just reading the other day, you know, the, the insiders were like, yeah, the Cowboys are working on a deal to bring Chuma Idoga to, uh, to the Cowboys, and then he gets cut. Right. I guess they're going to get him for free. Uh, Jason Apparently. Pinnock and Will Parks were cut. Again, safeties. Honestly, I think both those safeties are better than Ashton Davis. I, I'm not overly impressed with Ashton Davis. Uh, he might have a little bit of ball hawking skill, but he can't tackle anybody worth a damn. Yeah. Um, no, and I mean, lovely. obviously, it's I. I haven't watched much of the preseason. Um, I know we've been doing pretty well, but I don't rest. You know, any no, nothing in my head goes towards the preseason. It means absolutely nothing. I mean, gotta go out there and yeah, right. Uh, I, I mean, the only uh, the only part of the preseason I paid attention to was when our guy Zach Wilson got hurt, and he was like, "Ah, oh, you son of a bitch! Don't you fucking not dare!" Don't you dare! But I take mean, my like, eyes, but not his knee. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's not do this, please. Like, let, let's. I don't need to see him out there in the Mark Sanchez Stage Three knee brace for the rest of what little career Sanchez had after that. Mark but, Sanchez uh, was the goat. Uh, I, it's a shame the me. guy had a good two years in New York, and he's remembered yeah. for. For fucking fumbling the ball as he crashed what into fumbled. an offensive lineman. <laughs> and I, by the way, I hate that phrase, oh, the butt fumble. He didn't – that makes it sound like he fumbled it with his ass. It's I not what I, I defy anybody anybody with athlete, at least a little bit of athleticism to run into that man's backside and hold on to that ball at full speed. Go ahead. I fucking dare you. Yeah, he's a large dude. He's a large dude. Yeah. But uh, – But But yeah, the the funniest part about that is, though, he didn't even see him. like He didn't see him like he wasn't there. How did you miss that 300 pound man? The craziest thing would have been if he would have like hit him and then the guy would have fell on him. He might have died. That could have been like a Yokozuna-esque Rikishi type of injury. Absolutely terrifying. But that uh, that might have been a uh, what's it called from Billy Madison, the revolting blob. Oh my God! You're supposed to pitch my leg <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. This guy's going around crushing people's skulls. How did you have time to get a teaching teaching license? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh they cut uh they cut Michael P. Ryan again, another drafted player um he signed with the Eagles though so he's yeah. on the Eagles you know. and then they they cut Tevin Coleman which I'm very surprised about because I thought he ran well for us last year. He looked decent in the preseason. He has got a lot of uh, tackle breaking ability. Um, and he was the senior guy. He was, uh, I guess, you know, not a bad thing. They got, they got uh, Brees Hall. They've got um, Michael Carter, the other Michael Carter. The other um, they, uh, and they, they kept uh, Ty Johnson. He did well, mm-hmm. um, but also they signed uh Zonovan Knight and, and they call him bam. He had an absolutely amazing preseason for an undrafted guy. I thought he did a phenomenal job, and, and a lot of people were talking Danny Woodhead. A lot of guys were like, this is going to be the guy that we cut, and he goes to fucking New England and becomes right. Danny Woodhead. So I, I'm kind of glad they kept they kept him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they also cut Jabari Zuniga, who played very well in the uh, preseason. But again, he got caught up in the... Uh, defensive line mix where we've got like eight starters on our defensive line because our defensive line looks like this right now. Uh, John Franklin Myers uh, Quinn and Williams uh, Carl Lawson um, friggin uh, Jermaine Johnson uh, Michael Clemens um, I'm trying to remember these there's about six guys that are rotating in and out and you're sitting there looking going who the fuck like if if your DT is is uh if your DT is going to be Quinn and Will, uh, Williams and um, the name is killing me right now it just, it's oh Sheldon Rankins right if they're going to be your defensive tackles and JFM and and Carl Lawson are your ends then when the hell is Double J playing because Double J just got drafted in the first round mm-hmm. the bench so it's going to be a crazy rotation and they already had like six or seven guys like they just no there's no room for Jabari Zuniga right again no, that's a it, that's a good thing it's a good problem to have right too many good players oh no of course, and i listen i mean w- with the cuts that went on uh i gotta say I have faith in uh joe douglas i do I have faith in our coach uh Robert sala so i am I'm, I'm actually excited for the season to go on like i said i i thought the uh the the win loss uh the over under was low I think it was what five and a half might have started at Two four and a half, half before the preseason. Yeah. Um, So I'm I'm very high on the over with that. I think the Jets are going to be an exciting team. I think the Jets are going to be one of those teams that are going to leave this this season with a lot to build on, but a lot to walk away from as far as experience and getting to a place where we can actually be excited as Jet fans. Uh, I was excited when Salah was uh, brought in as our coach. I was excited all last season, just seeing him on the sidelines and how he was interacting with the players and just how very motivated, especially in games they weren't in at all. Um they got a couple surprise wins last season that were, you know, I mean, if you were a guy betting dogs in those situations, I mean, that Titans game you could have made a shit ton of money on. Uh who saw that coming? Uh like we talked about the Bengals already, that game. Uh So I I think the Jets have that raw young talent. Uh you got a hungry coach and uh you know, a newer GM and everybody's going out there trying to prove something so it's hard not to be excited going into the season yeah so talking about coach sala i love the energy that he brings to the team so the quick question i have for you is seemed to be a lot of fights at jets camp um and a lot of i don't always say a lot but some questionable hits during um during you know the preseason games there was the hit on a Daniel Jones from Quincy Williams uh, that created a lot of uproar with uh, – I'm sorry, not Daniel Jones, my mistake, on Jalen Hurts with Quincy Williams and uh, a lot of uproar from the Eagles bench during that game. Like I give a shit what anybody from Philadelphia thinks uh, or or anybody who plays for Philadelphia. But my question to you is do you think that there's a lack of accountability when it comes to things like that discipline and not starting fights at practice and not hit, getting late hits and stupid penalties like that, things that can so, be avoided? I think – We'll find out once we get into the season. So as far as the lack of accountability and hurting the team, because like we said, the preseason doesn't really matter. You're trying to make the team first and foremost. Um, As far as football teams run, it's very much two teams, especially when you're going into the season. You're not part of the season yet. It's very much two separate teams. you got the defense and the offense. Everybody's trying to make their mark. Everybody's trying to show that they have value on the team, especially people that are borderline. Like we said, there's a lot of players – and only a few roster spots and and positions. And we seem to be very deep in certain positions. So I think it's hard not to go out there and not be an alpha male, which every single one of these guys are um, pretty much since high school, being an alpha male going out there. It's a violent game. It's a hard hitting game. You're supposed to go out there and put a hurt on somebody. That's just the way it is. Um, I think – we'll find out the accountability aspect once the season starts. And if anybody's going to hurt the team, I don't think Robert Sala is going to deal with it. I think a statement will be made, but I I chalk it up to just guys going out there and throwing the physicality around and trying to make a statement going into the season saying, I'm the man, I'm the alpha. This is my spot. I'm not losing this spot. You're in my way. I'm going to hurt you. End the story. So I, I, I don't want to see anybody on the team, especially, you know, inter-squad practices and stuff like that with, you know, questionable hits and hard hits and stuff like that. You never want to see somebody get hurt uh, going into the season. It's completely unnecessary. But at the same time, it's a sport where it's hard not to practice at 100% speed. That's what you're there to do. And unfortunately, when you practice at 100% speed, there's a good chance of injury. It's just the nature of the beast. Nobody's out there under 200 pounds. You know what I mean? These guys are big, monster, monstrous men. You're going full speed. These guys at 250 to 300 pounds are running 440s faster than my fat ass can run them. That's for shit. shit hey, you're not fat, bro. You're smelly. So it, oh, no. I, I Listen, after the, this summer and all the vacations, I was fortunate enough to go on with my family. I ate like a king. Krispy Kreme was had down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, as well as many adult beverages. So I... Uh, I'm officially going on a a diet if you will but that being said these guys are going out there they're they're giving it their all you want to see that you don't want to see injuries it's one of those it's a hard line to kind of skate so you you can't you can't be upset when you got somebody going out there and treating every practice like it's a real game situation because you want that kind of heart and hustle from your players in every single position even somebody that's probably not going to make a team you still want them to go out there and treat it like it's it's their livelihood because that's exactly what it is you're playing for big money you're playing for big contracts You're, you're playing to essentially have potential generational wealth for your family and especially some of these positions you know in your prime you have maybe six or seven years there and that's it so i i appreciate the hustle i appreciate the effort uh we we had a bad uh, run of injuries last preseason, going into the season. So I, I mean, every one of those situations, that popped up. It definitely makes you nervous as a fan. But it, what else are you gonna do? It's it's kind of that that's how it is. That that's how it goes. You gotta hope to get out of the preseason. And that's why the the players' association always pushes so hard for a shortened preseason. And because essentially preseason is just to make the team a little bit of money before the season actually gets going. You know, we all know what it is. It, it, these guys, it, it's. You don't really need that many reps. Uh, How many reps do the starters actually get? Everybody's just worried about injury. So it's, it's one of those things where it's a unnecessary evil, but it's going to happen. But do I want to see it going into the regular season? Do I, I, do I want to see accountability if somebody's going to cost the team five, 10, 15 yards? Yeah. I want to see it because the jets are not going to be in a place where they can give up 15 yards and bullshit penalties. So, uh, I'm just scanning the Twitter zone and uh, Denzel Mims says that he, he believes he's done enough to be a starter on the jets. So I think the appropriate question for anybody that's a reporter at that point, the next question should follow up with over who, right? I mean, right. If, if you're a reporter and a player goes, I think I've done enough to be a starter on this team. I think o- the next o- over be, who, and then starting, why you he- sitting right over who and then the follow up question is well then why aren't you why do you feel that the team is underutilizing you what what's the issue then you know i but i think he'd have a bullshit reason like cuz they, they just don't like him. of course but i really would love to hear him say like i should start over somebody garrett wilson the new kid you know that that's that's probably not starting anyway uh I should start over Elijah Moore, which is, yeah, that you're cracked out if you believe that. I should start over Kobe, Corey Davis, who's a proven veteran, or Braxton mm-hmm. Berrios, who's also a proven veteran. I would love to hear him say that. If he could do half the things that they could do, he probably would be starting, but he can't. Right. We, we've seen it. Last year, he he had all the time in the world. We were down to Tariq Black as a wide receiver. He didn't play. Like, wh- why didn't you play, kid? Because you dropped a lot of passes, and you caused a lot of penalties. Yeah. What was it? The, the the very next game after he had that touchdown, they benched. Out of there's a reason. It's not because the Jets don't need to score. That's sure shit ain't the reason. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's it it definitely seems like a personal issue. It definitely seems like a some type of either lack of effort or uh, lack of personality that they're looking for. Uh, lack of being a teammate, maybe. I, I really don't know. The players I think know. I, I think lack of diversity. He can't – they said it last year. They're like, he can't play all three receiver positions. Glad doesn't know. That's what they said. All right. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Uh, and last year when we were really struggling and we didn't have the right wide receivers, I was willing to sit there and be like, fuck it. I don't care if he can play all – give him the route to go out there and run because we, we need something because we don't have anything. This year – Oh, yeah. We, we, how many conversations – how many conversations did we have about that – you can't tell me you can't have Denzel Mims go up to the line and be like, dude, run seven yards and turn left. And then the next play, run. I think I lost TJ. He's a little frozen right now. eight yards and turn right. And that's your playbook. Just do that. Just, just yeah, keep I agree. running different. You good? TJ's my well. internet's right. sucking it up tonight. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah, it's my internet is just crapping the bed right now. Thank you, Comcast. It's TJ that froze moves. on me. Right there, he goes. He's back. It's your wife. She's downloading I'm pulling something. a book tonight. Brooke gets She's off. Down- She's downloading something like really big right now. Jeez. Or it's your son using four different devices not at once. Me. All to watch Coco Melon. No, I, everybody. No. None of them are doing anything right now, to be honest with you. Whole bunch of nothing. Carissa's doing uh, her pre-school year work and uh, getting ready to go tackle a new first grade class. Ugh. Do not envy her. At all. But uh, I next, next on the agenda, I, I hope I'm not pulling a rook.
0: <laughs>
1: no, no. Um, next on the agenda, Yankees are on the West Coast right now, which means I'm not watching any baseball because I'm not staying up till one o'clock in the morning to watch a baseball game, especially when they're going to oh, put up piss poor efforts and lose to fucking teams like the o- Oakland Athletics and the uh, and the Angels. All that being said, since they're playing the Angels right now, a lot of conversation about the American League MVP and. Should it be Aaron Judge? Should it be Shohei Otani? Who that's your boy? You, you and Shohei Otani. Yeah. Seen Listen, that. Clip. You said you said he was gonna be hurt this year. Still waiting. Listen, bro, his career is not over yet. What's his name? Uh you said this year. What was this kid's name? The bird? Uh Mark I Mark Bird, right? Mark Finch, the bird. Yeah, he was awesome for like two years, and his then his career ended. Started talking to the baseball. <laughs> it's weird. It got strange. It got strange. Uh, there's no time for Shay Otani. I'm still Listen, waiting for him to play in a game that matters and actually play well. And that, that'll be, again, the argument when it comes time for MVP voting. Uh, I think that that's exactly what's going to hurt him is playing meaningless games uh, stranded out there in California. And then, uh, I mean, I think the thing that's going to hurt Aaron Judge is that how much the Yankees have struggled lately. And, uh, I I think if we're going, going off for individual merit, the guy has what fifty one home runs right now. He has fifty one home runs. How do you like? Ha, so, he, dude, he's he's what one away to twenty seventeen. I think he had fifty two, and we have a lot, a lot, of baseball left to play. So, um, what was what was the pace calculator at right now as to what he's going to hit? He's ahead year? of he's ahead of Maris. He is right. Yeah. Yeah, he's ahead of Maris right so, now. So, uh, so right now, let's say, let's say he hits sixty three, sixty four home runs this season. I mean, in my mind, that should be enough to lock him up for an MVP. Because if that's not an MVP season, especially the the type of player he is, defensively, a stud, got a stud arm in the outfield. Um, how, how you, you cannot poo poo what he's doing. And I mean, right now, what what is his average at? Hold on, he's batting like two ninety three right now. Which for, you know, modern day baseball, 293 might as well be 400. 297. Yeah, he's 297 right now, actually. 297. 139 100 hits. RBI. He'll, he'll finish the season with probably somewhere around 60 home runs, over 120 RBI, uh, and batting around 300. If that's not an MVP season, I don't know what is. Yeah. And what does he have left? Uh, what do we have, like 30-something games left, 40 games? No, less than that. 20? Is it? 25, maybe? Is that it? Yeah, because tomorrow's September 1st. Season's not going to – is going to be over by Yeah, now. you're right. So, right now, they're at 79 and 51. They're at exactly 130 games or something like that. 130. Mm-hmm. So, they got 30 games left. Oh, uh, 32, 32 games. games left. Yeah, so 32 games left. So, I mean – I to hit, to hit 10 home runs or to hit 12 well, uh, home runs, maybe – Let's say, let's say four, 14 home runs on the high end, seven or eight on the low end. Um, can easily probably get his batting average up to like 315. If he got high, like, yeah, you know. So, I, I think if that's not an MVP season, I don't know what is. Uh, so, so my question is, Otani is not having, he's no slouch at all this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's putting up Otani numbers, you know, so. He's got uh, right now as the designated hitter. He's batting 269 with let's see, here we go. Batting. He's batting 269 with 29 homers and 79 RBI. Pitching, which is batting, which is got great. right? You know. Uh, now, me personally, I'm I'm just looking. How at many at, at bats does he have uh, since you have the stats pulled up? How many at bats does he have? For it's 465. Oh, so he's he's pretty much bad at the exact same amount of apps. Judge, then um, oh, 468. Tell you right now, that is a fact. He 468 at bats. Yep, so right right there alone, Judge is in the lead. As far you got the, the pitcher effect, though, obviously, because I mean, a pitcher that can go out and and he is a stud pitcher, um, make no mistake about it. And then go out there and still perform like that. That's you, you can't really, you can't really deny that that's something special. But so, is it special enough to what Judge has done this season? I think I think next season we're really going to see what the truth of the matter is. The only reason I say that is because next season they're going to get rid of this division play where you play your own division. Uh, I don't know what eighty times a year or whatever it is. Whatever the ridiculous number you pay your own division is, let's be real. Other than the Astros, his division is crap. Because we've seen what happens when he plays against the Yankees. He comes out to the Yankee Stadium, pitches in Yankee Stadium, pitches two innings, and he's out of the game by the end of the second. Why? Right. Because he's playing in a game that matters that people are actually watching. Right. And again, pressure. You know, put pretty much putting the pressure cooker in those situations. You're playing. You know, big league ball now that people are actually watching. And it's it just goes. The debate has to be based on who is when you're talking about most valuable player, who is a bigger asset to their team. And I think Judge is a bigger asset to his team than Otani is. You can't just sit there and keep pressing the fact that Otani is a pitcher. Uh, that's great. I, I there's a lot of value in that, of course. But I think it hurts more if Judge is out of the lineup than if Otani's out of the lineup. I agree 100%. The Angels lose regardless of whether or not he's there. That they're going to lose. The Angels are not a good baseball team. And, and and I always equate it like this: If you and I lost a thousand dollars, is that a lot of money? It sucks, but it's not going to kill us. I'm just saying is i do I I <clears throat> compared, to a, there, compared oh, no, to a compared to a thousand bucks, I'd be pissed. I'd be fucking furious if I lost a thousand dollars tomorrow. I wouldn't die, but I'd be fucking furious. But if I was a multi-millionaire, I'd be like, I don't give a shit, fucking thousand dollars. I wipe my nose with a thousand dollars, and that's what Otani oh, yeah. is—the Oakland, to, excuse me, to the to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The long and short of it is, is that basically there's a scene in Oceans. Uh, I want to say it's Oceans Eleven, where George Clooney goes up to uh, somebody he's trying to buy off to get to get into the casino. He says something to the kid like, I heard you're in a little bit of debt to the bookies. And the kid goes, yeah, I owe them 50 grand, so it might as well be a million or something like that. And he's just like, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, he says 50 grand, so it might as well be 100. And he goes, okay, here's 100. Yeah. and that, And basically, that's how I look at it. The Angels suck so bad that regardless of whether they have Trout and Otani and probably three other players, they'd still not be good. So your value to that franchise is zero, right? $1,000 means absolutely nothing to somebody that owes $50,000. you are like, all right, $1,000, who gives a shit, you know? But listen, to that ball club, he's he's obviously important just the way Trout is important. But in the scheme of how the season's going to play out and how the season seems to play out every year for the Angels, I mean, they're out of the playoffs it, when the season doesn't matter. When, Dude, when, the season, it, cool when they agreed is, to have I a mean, season, if you're going to yeah. the same way, we're going to equate value to being a pitcher that can hit. You got to equate value to being a stud player on the New York Yankees, where most big league players wouldn't want to come here just because it's the New York Yankees. And if you don't perform, Joey Gallo, you're going to get the shit at the end of the 6th. A lot of people can't handle it. Yeah, but at least Otani would be smart enough not to be like, well, they just don't appreciate my strikeout ability. As if that's a friggin excuse. Joey Gallo, well, so good. So how, how's he doing out there? So I think he's eight for his last 44 or something like that. Yeah, quality. quality oh, he's yep. real hot. No, no, he's real hot. He had, yeah. And he's got three home runs, one of whom was against a position player. So that's it. That's a good flex, you know? I, I'll tell you right now, if we were still playing men's league baseball and Joey Gallo was on our team and he still performed where he, he hit one monster home run but struck out three other times in the game, is that a player that you really like, like, oh, we really need this guy on the team? Especially if that dude, home, home run already up by eight runs? No, but I'm saying that not even, even – even if we're losing games, does that one home run matter where, especially in baseball – in men's league baseball where you just want to put people on base and he can't get on base. You know, I, I understand that the major league baseball has completely thrown away the idea of small ball and getting people on base and moving runners over. But, I mean, it's still the, it's the part of the game that you need. It's the part of the game that we're missing in major league baseball. But it's definitely the part of the game if you're playing, you know, men's league or high school or even college. You want players on base, and that guy cannot get on base to save his life. So I think is he, he is he of any value even in a men's league setting because I don't think he is. I don't so, want a guy that's going to go one for four with a home run and strike out three other times because you know it's going to be that one freaking time that this guy's going to sit there and hit a home run with nobody on base and we're down by five. I uh, I I don't think I so I think the big problem with Major League Baseball right now is um. It's not so much that, that 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 people don't want to watch the game because a lot of people are like oh the, it's the numbers are down with viewership yada yada yada. People don't kids don't like it because kids want to see players disrespecting one another. They want bat flips. They want elaborate celebrations. You know why people don't want to watch the game? It's because batters bat two hundred. Nobody gets on base. They hit. They see two home runs per game, and that's it. I mean, it's getting to the point where baseball is becoming a lot like basketball, where there's only certain segments of the game that are worth watching. Yeah. It, it, and it, it Listen, it's, it's part of the times, dude. Everything is fast-paced. Everything is a TikTok, Twitterverse world, where if you need information, it takes two seconds to get a, that information. You want to be entertained, you can be entertained by a 10-second clip on TikTok, and you move on to one of the other 10 billion that are out there. It's just things we're sitting there watching a baseball game, especially with the unjuiced balls and uh, steroids supposedly out of MLB, which I don't think is ever going to happen. Um, it, it's not It's not an interesting game for the times. And as hockey fans, I mean, just the interactions we had on, on Twitter and out there in different social media platforms when the Rangers were making that run in the playoffs, and these, even regular season, hockey is one of those games where if you step away for two seconds and go take a leak, you missed a lot of action, you know what I mean, and that just it, it just suits the times in my opinion. I'm amazed that hockey isn't as big as uh, any of the other sports it is right now, just because it is that fast paced constant action, constant feeding your you know brain with shit to say, "Oh my God, did you see that play?" You know it's a shame that that hockey's not taking off as much as and they should be capitalizing more. On the way, you know, people want to get fed just constant entertainment in split seconds because it's that type of sport. And baseball is one of those sports that have fallen by the wayside because it is a very very boring game. And especially where it's a home run or nothing game now. I mean, you're, dude, give me a rally. Give me a i singles and punchy little dribblers i don't care i want to see movement on the bases dude i want to see steals i want to see bunts they ruined the game by taking out the, the the slide rule you can't take people out anymore you, you can't freaking barrel the catcher at home plate i mean how much more exciting do you want to uh, excitement do you want to take out of the game those are the plays yeah. that you're like holy shit. so i i honestly think that the biggest problem was for talk about hockey for a split second um i i think that the reason that hockey and baseball don't have the uh don't have like the viewership that they once did and it's a little bit because of a little bit of uh xenophobia baseball and hockey have the most foreign players of any of the four major american sports and soccer is probably like the, the last one they probably have the most foreign players of the of the five major American sports, and those are the sports Americans Definitely. aren't interested. Now, I saw some basketball players flip out on me. They were like, "What about the NBA? That's bullshit." Luca and this guy and that guy, Luca and and and, and that's a and small. Giannis number. and freaking like the the other six guys that are like, I, I want to say the NBA is about ten percent foreign, um, with European players and stuff. No, I agree. It, yeah, one hundred percent. It's ten percent. It, it's <clears> ten percent, <throat> and we're really gonna sit here and 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 say that oh yeah we totally support other countries playing sports based on the 10 percent of guys that are doing it in the nba right. i mean just that's just disingenuous it's 10 percent, but we're talking about if you baseball something percent of baseball you, is foreign dude and if you factor in the other countries that are watching american baseball it's all you know hispanic countries and and uh you know caribbean islands and that's what feeds our farm systems and that's what's huge down there is baseball and soccer. And that's where you're getting the momentum. And there's a reason for that. It's because that that's where most of the farm teams are are getting their young athletic players coming in, you know, down from the Republic. It it just, it is what it is. They breed baseball players down there. So it's it's one of those things where the American sport is not really, you know, it doesn't have the hype that it has everywhere outside of America. It's the same thing with hockey, though. Americans don't want to watch sports of players whose names they can't pronounce and who can't do – because what's a common – you see a lot of these guys that are fucking on Twitter and stuff like that. A common complaint about Hispanic players is how come he can't speak English? I see that all the time. When Gary Sanchez was playing with the Yankees, how come he can't speak English? And I used to tell these people, like, what are you, stupid? Of course he speaks English. He doesn't speak English to the reporter because someone like you will make fun of him for the way he speaks English. Because it can't be that he doesn't speak English. Tanaka was a pitcher. You're sitting there, you're telling me that either he speaks Japanese or Tanaka speaks Spanish. Right. No, like the translator's not coming out to have a conversation with Tanaka and Sanchez. They speak English. They just don't want to speak it to you as a public cuz they know you'll just destroy them right. for it. and why so wouldn't you be, why wouldn't you rather be more comfortable answering questions in your native tongue where you're not going to make some error or feel embarrassed that you're answering a question in a certain way that you know you don't feel comfortable in i mean why why wouldn't you just have that you know you're essentially just it, it's part of the game that really is unnecessary speaking to reporters especially when you're ask the same stupid questions like why did you strike out three times tonight because you touch yourself at night God is watching. <laughs> you know, I'll give a perfect example. Talking about talking to reporters, you you look at um, I can't remember who it was. I want to say maybe it was Fujikara, but uh, it was uh, he was playing for the Toronto Blue Jays and he didn't play one day. And they asked him like, "Hey, are you okay? You got scratched last minute. are You all right?" And he didn't use a translator. And he goes, "Yeah, I had diarrhea." And maybe like he didn't realize that that's kind of embarrassing in America, but everybody no, in America. Everybody in America was just tr- like just destroying him because the A, he said it in like such an accent. And even the reporter kind of like put him in a bad situation where he was like, I'm sorry, come again. And he was like, I yeah. defy you. I defy you in a situation where you have people around. Just go ride the bus a couple hours with horrible diarrhea and see how comfortable you are. But, but like, obviously, that's, that's a major issue. You're we wearing have a, white pants. That's we not a, a good look. We, have a, we, we, we live in a country full of, of six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and every, he said he had diarrhea, and everybody decided to make fun of him for like a month. Anybody that's an adult male, okay, especially, because, I, I mean, I'm sure it happens to females, but they're not going to go out and talk about it, but I have no we problem telling move. you, like, like, dude, dude, I was legitimately stuck in traffic, and I had the worst diarrhea, and I thought I was going to fill my empty Dunkin' Donuts cup on the side of the road because it just was not it was just not my day. We've all had those days that especially coffee smells like, like shit yeah <laughs> either way <laughs> either way especially then but i mean it's cold what it is you wake up in the morning you have a nice cup of coffee you get to work and then all of a sudden it's like oh god oh god <laughs> and on that <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna welcome andrew the duke from
2: divots and pivots welcome to the show friend Thank you, thank you. Silly me to not check the the show Twitter account. (laughs) So here I am thinking I got the shaft. (laughs) No, no, definitely not. only shaft we're looking to give you is uh, extra flexible. Extra, okay, as well. That was my uh, call for for the day. Stiff stiff flex. Don't take it that way. Never mind. What's what's going on? on? I I walk into uh, diarrhea talk. I love it.
1: Listen, I mean, I don't. have... Have you have you not ever had that situation where it's diarrhea happening and you'd rather just, you know, listen, I'd rather get punched in the face 15 times in a row than
2: than have to deal with a situation where there's no bathroom around and it's brewed. So I had a situation in an airport once where I was at the urinal, let out a little fart and I had to run. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Airports are the worst. I, I drank the water in Texas coming home did it taste like uh, america it, it tastes like free no it tasted like <laughs> diarrhea and I, that's what i got i was coming God. out of both ends it was bad and i was at the airport we had a long layover my even my family felt bad for me they never feel bad for me about anything ever <laughs> usually they're like you had it coming you son of a bitch how dare you well what Dude, I mean, even my dad was like you poor bastard what happened Listen, and, and that now that we got a golf guy on here i'm sure andrew you've ha- have uh played many rounds of golf especially yes. uh, that morning round. I don't know about you, but for <laughs> me, before I leave, even leave the house, it doesn't matter if I have to go or not. It's, something has to come out because you mm-hmm. don't want to be on the eighth hole staring at the sand trap going, oh, I'm going to bury something <laughs> in the bunker. I'm going to go full cash Actually, right I'd now. have to wait for you in the car because you were busy pinching one off. Dude, really? yeah. it's it's You, you got to get it all out, dude.
2: You don't want that excuse on the tee box where, like, I can't swing hard right now. Well, you always gotta line up the shot at the porta potty to make sure if anyone's in there or not. Just give it, give it a little ring with the golf ball <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> Some of us like to
1: crash into porta potties with our golf carts. but That's only oh when Nick bed. is in it. Son of a bit, I walk into a handicapped porta porta john at Twisted <laughs> Dune out there in AC, and I, I stepped inside and I was like, it was it was a weekend of debauchery, and I knew bad, I, I as soon as I walked inside, I was like, what am I fucking stupid? <laughs> and I immediately open the door. I'm like, is something bad. They're gonna tip this fucker over." Mind you, the handicap freaking Portage <clears throat> John is gigantic. Yeah, it's as big as the room I'm in right now. And uh, I open the door, and as I open the door, a golf cart's coming at me full steam. <laughs> and I dive out of the way. And this guy's driving the golf cart. It goes into the door it gets it gets wedged halfway into the Portage John. Jeez. is that not the perfect golf cart though? Like a place to take a piss and a dump. At the ready. We should have finished around with that thing on the cart. Just dragging it around the course. Listen, you, you, you got the – you're always excited when you got the cooler built into the cart. Maybe mm-hmm. get fancy and get the GPS, the pinpoint GPS. Like, how yeah. far am I from the green? This is awesome. Imagine having a
2: place to drop a deuce. Hey, little uh, – look, they make those little toilets you can on the go for the kids. Why don't we just slide one of those into the – have it right. pop all the side of the cart and flap down? You give give you me another excuse as to why I three putt. Like, guys, I got to get something out. That's the only
1: reason I just well, missed that, that little two-footer. think footer. Of it. If it
2: pulls out and flaps down next to the seat, someone <laughs> from, like, across the ferry won't even know you dropped one. They're just going to think you're sitting in the golf cart. Why is this guy slowing down the round? Hey, can we play <laughs> through? It's like, dude, you don't want to right now. And then and then imagine their, their shot comes in and lands right in your pile. Oh, dude. <laughs> Play where it lies. Absolutely. <laughs> you got to play it out of a divot. You might as well play it out of a nice log.
1: Poop divot. <laughs> yeah. And that being said, we're going to move on to our next segment <laughs> talking about idea. live golf and a little PGA action. I'm going to step away for five seconds while I get some ice for my adult beverage, and I'll let you guys
2: have it. Ice doesn't fit in my beverage. Is that That's wine? Cool. Yeah, I'm just going the full bottle. <laughs>
1: I'm judging you, that's
2: it. That's all right. Judge away. That's it. So, listen, <laughs> th- there's
1: no judgment here. I'm actually eyeing up the whiskey I have because I'm empty already.
2: Nice, sadly. Nice.
1: But uh, Rory McElroy, yeah, what a tremendous win. <clears throat> um, the, I, I think, other than the, the play, and then uh, for me, Sun JM M having that uh, birdie putt on 18 mm-hmm. to possibly tie it and miss it. I mean, a burnt edge. And knowing know. that – I mean, they're a little bit about it. It's like that was an $11 million burnt edge. Which is it's, outrageous. It's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. But that just leads me into my argument with everybody hating on Live Golf and how it's not good for the game. I think it's immediately good for the game because the PGA is trying to adopt all these things that Live Golf is doing. I understand – that listen – live golf the way they're breaking it down i understand the criticism like all right nobody misses a cut it's essentially yeah. people just go, going out there and play Thursday round The you know does it really matter if you're getting paid that much money out the gate do you really want to win i would i would argue that of course you want to win of course you want another four million dollars to add to your bankroll um sure. i think if you break it down as far as coming from where the players are coming from knowing that Hey, I don't have to play 40 weekends this year, and I get to spend more time with my family. And a lot of people don't realize that the, these players, generally, even on the PGA Tour, their family usually travels with them at least yeah. half the time. So it's not yeah, just they're, you always, they're always renting
2: houses; they're not staying at the courtyard Marriott. Like they're, they're renting houses right. for these. Absolutely, dude. It's and it's it's not just the, the players; it's it's their caddies and their caddies' families yep. and stuff like that.
1: And it's just one of those things where if you don't see that as an attractive business proposition to make more money than you're going to make on the PGA Tour and play less, and, you know, still get all the – maybe not all the fanfare because it's just growing at this point. Yeah. Um, I think everybody kind of – all the players unanimously crapping on Live. Most of that is coming from a standpoint of just pure jealousy because it's guys that had the stones essentially to say, okay, you're not going to let me play in the PGA anymore? Do I give a shit? It's a job, and now I'm getting paid more money. So it's – it. The, I, I think the PGA – it 100% backfired and failed on them. The whole, oh, look where their money's coming from because everybody can sit there and make the argument yeah. of. we can where make where about anything that we from. have. Yeah, come on, dude. You want to sit there and call out the atrocities of Saudi Arabia, and I'm not trying to downplay it mm-hmm. at all. 100% not at all. But any one of the sponsors of the PGA Tour, you could sit there and break it down, Nike alone. You know what? You you want to talk mm-hmm. about human atrocities? If you If you're cool with somebody making your – $75, 80 pair of, uh, of Nike golf shoes, you know, being four years old, working a slave labor camp, essentially child labor laws be damned. And you don't think that's a human atrocity. You're full of shit. It, you call it what it is that I think that the whole plan of them shitting on the Saudi Arabia money, where the money's coming from backfired on the PGA. And now you see them adopting more of, of what live golf is doing. You see mm-hmm. them taking some of their ideas. You see them, throwing more money at the players, which obviously the PGA tour is a very lucrative tour and they have a lot of money to go around and they were shortchanging these players on top of essentially a hundred percent taking away their ability to make their own content. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the biggest thing for me,
0: Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at
1: Shopify.com slash free twenty two. Shopify.com slash free twenty-two. That pissed me off is when I found out that Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, when they had the match, had to pay the PGA tour millions of dollars to be allowed to do this exhibition match. It's like
2: are you serious? Well, yeah, see, that's crazy because the PJ players are considered individual contractors who sign. Right. Like they're not. They're not. So and that's where this is going to get interesting because it's they're not like a, a team a, a player on a team that's owned by you know you know Bob Kraft or you know whatever billionaire owns a team who has the right to say no you work for me you know right. you know I I pay your contract I'm going to make rules that you can and can't go play on certain things. That's going to be what the live turns into. That is the model. That they are going to, they're going to have investors buy these teams, run these teams. They're going to be not allowed to come back to the PGA for certain events because these owners of these eventual, well, the eventual owners of these teams are going to be able to say, "No, I want to protect my investment." Right. So that's why I kind of find it. That's the one thing. Look, I don't blame the players for taking the business opportunity. at perfect sense. Go get your money, but then don't turn around and and cry about wanting to still play. Like. You're making this business, up, you know, decision. Fine, but you gotta realize that there's gonna be some backlash from the PGA as far as whether mm-hmm. you can play and earn points there. And then, especially once these investors come in and you're now a assigned player to a specific owner, you know, you're not gonna be able to go over to the PGA. Right. So,
1: but well, you know, there's two there's two businesses that have a very similar business model where you're an independent contractor, but yeah. you can't work anywhere else and both are scrutinized extremely about how they pay and how they treat their employees, those two businesses being the WWE and UFC. And both of them are under fire on a regular basis for not having any type of association like Players Association, Wrestlers Association, Fighters Association, and also their performers not getting their due, their pay due, their due as far as their value is concerned. And that's why a lot of wrestlers leave to go do Hollywood-type deals because they can make more money in, in a safer environment. Um, and then, uh, lately, I, Dino White has to answer questions every week about why UFC fighters aren't making more money. And honestly, his answers are kind of shit, but I, I, I like the fact that UFC is keeping these guys in check or else it'll get like boxing where they're just taking money to fight who they want to fight as opposed to who they're supposed to fight. Which, yeah. I mean, you, you get paid your value, and that's, uh, I mean, even when uh, Ronda Rousey, they were asking her, like, you know, you're, you're the top sell for the women's division. How come you're not making hundreds of millions of dollars like these other guys are? And she's <laughs> essentially defended it, saying, listen, I make what my draw is and I'm paid very yeah. well and I'm not
2: complaining about it. So why are you? Yeah, like, I mean, and that's how those worlds work. It's the percentage of the pay-per-views of the, what you know, the ticket sales, whatever. Like that's and that makes sense. It's in their contract that so the golf isn't set up that way. As far as I know, though, you know, the live players that are getting all their money up front um yeah. but look so yeah i don't blame them for taking taking the run at the money um i do think they need to if they're going to make that decision they need to realize that you know there's going to be things they can't do that they want to do maybe the like president's cup riders cup all that stuff like they, they might have to simmer on that for a little bit i think that eventually they will come to at least for a little while like i said until investors come in and buy these teams and, and put in their own rules for the guys that are on there quote unquote teams, they're gonna there's gonna be some sort of harmony that the two tours are gonna live in. And they're you know, gonna I could, have to. I guess. Well, have. Have and I see I could see the Liv buying out like uh you know, not the Corn Fairy specifically, but a Corn Fairy type tour uh to where that's like their relegation. We, we were talking about that on our show last night, that uh, it makes sense that with more guys coming over, you know, they still just have a 12 team, fourteen, you know, four man. Yeah. That, right? But now they have over 48 players in the, in the lift tour. So they're going to have to do something with these guys. So a relegation set up to somewhat secondary tour that they buy out makes sense. I could see that being the future as well.
1: If not just changing their setup and doing uh, individual competitions and saying, all right, this mm-hmm. week is just going to be straight individual. And that's it because it, I mean, why not? Especially when you have <clears throat> these many players coming over and they're getting like, they, like we said, their money up front, their money guaranteed, uh, we just had, again, I, I mean, now you have Joaquin Neiman, Harold Varner, Mark Leishman, Cameron Tringali, um, and Cam Smith. I mean, the, the PGA Tour definitely thought that once they said these players were essentially going to be blackballed from playing on the tour, they thought they were going to mm-hmm. secure at least the top 50, and yeah. they've lost many top 50 players. So it, it's hurting them. They're going to have to find some kind of leeway there because these, these guys can go over to, you know – what is it, um, DP World Tour to get their their points if they really want to. They can go over to the Asian Tour mm-hmm. and get their points if they want to uh, for, you know, the tour rankings and world rankings to be able to play at least in the majors. And again, yep. like, um, you have you have tournaments like the Masters, that's solely run by Augusta, you know? It, it's yeah. it, it's a major, I but know, it's kid, run by baby. Augusta. And they could sit there and say, if none of these guys have points, they could sit there and say, no, we, Cam Smith's still playing, you know? Uh, We've well, we, we got Pete is- coming
2: and playing, that's it too bad Christian is the only tour entity that has really come out uh, with hard stances against the live so far, you know, all the other tours out there have are kind of sitting and waiting and seeing um, which, you know, now look, I, I still, be, I still am a bigger fan of the history and the, of the PGA and the, the, what, what all those tournaments mean. If the live sticks around, it's going to take a long time for them to build up that type of um, meaning for their events. You know, because right now it is it is exhibition golf, basically. No, it and- is
1: a hundred percent. It doesn't mean much because it's a new tour. We're, yeah, we're we're all based a, as golf fans. Everything we we think about as far as professional mm-hmm. golf is based on you know the etiquette and the everything set up by the PGA Tour. You know. All, all the tournaments that we love to see is because we've seen them since we're kids watching golf. That's exactly. what you look forward to that, you know, uh, all, all the pomp and circumstance has been built up over years. It has the history. It has that legendary status. And it, it's one of those things where if the live tours is, is going to make their money, um, we went, we, we were lucky enough to go and, and see it in Trump Bedminster. We had an amazing it was time. Awesome. The access to the players were incredible. I mean, being able to be right up against the rope and, shoot mm-hmm. the shit with Phil Mickelson and, and and Bryson DeChambeau and all these guys being like right in your friggin' face, Abraham answer. And uh, it, it was absolutely incredible. And it's definitely going to grow because the more people I talked to, I was like, dude, it wasn't, it was crowded, but not crowded like a PGA event. I mean, of course, I, I, yeah. you know what I mean? Like we walked up, what we w- left where we were drinking like 30 minutes before it teed off. And we were like, holy shit, look at this grandstand. This, this, these aren't tickets. We could just sit here. And we mm-hmm. were right at, at, at a tee box. And we sat there for like an hour and a half, two, tea two hours. Yeah, two tee boxes. We had the fifth and the eighth right there. Oh, we could perfect. see the seventh green right on the other side of, of where we were on the grandstands. And then when Phil came over, we ended up following him the rest of the day because, I mean, that's if you're going to follow anybody, you might as well follow Phil who's literally sure. shooting the shit with everybody he passes by. I mean, yeah. I'm talking how, about a guy you can talk to while he's in the middle. He's in the mix of his round and trying to make these shots. And he's just – bullshitting with people. Awesome. I mean, walked up to every kid that he saw on the sidelines, gave him a high five. I um, didn't get a high five from Phil. What the fuck? I got a <laughs> high five from Phil. My brother got a high five from Phil and Phil knocked the cigar out of my brother's hand. I was like, why would you try to give him a high five with the hand you're holding well, the cigar? He's like, he was there. I panicked. I just threw my arm out. I wanted to touch him. I was like, all right, fair
2: enough. Fair enough. So that's got- I, am. I am looking forward to seeing what the, cause you know, the, it comes to Boston. I'm up here in New Hampshire. Yep. It's coming out here to Bol- uh, Bolton, Mass um this weekend and you know me and bud were lucky enough to get media credentials to go in there so we are going to be able to get into some of the tents and uh get into some of those pressers and then maybe get a couple questions we'll see but yeah i'm curious to see what more so what the feel of the environment is um i expect it to be even smaller than the one you guys went out to, because i know i think they were putting like a cap of 63 6500 um attendees uh, on each day, and I think that's more of a town ordinance. The way the international is, it's, it's a very small, quiet town. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm curious to see what the what the vibe and the atmosphere is there for this type of thing. Because look, that's all they've been preaching is we're louder, we're more energy, we're more fun. Like I, I want to see if it lives up.
1: It it does. As far as the interaction with the crowd, it got a little annoying when people are teeing off, and you got people drunk already trying to like fucking sh- talk shit to. Players and caddies. It's like, dude. All right, just oh, well, what happened to bigger and louder? It's like, yeah, but shut the fuck up. The guy's about to try to hit the ball
2: three hundred and thirty <laughs> yards in a fairway that's about twenty five yards wide. May, may, the only time, time the that's up a, for a second. The only time it's all that's all right is for those guys that do the back off challenge because they're fucking hilarious and they and yeah. they can bring and they can bring the perfect insult. So that's fine. They they can do. It. But everyone else who tries who's, to mimic them,
1: who is the whose caddy was it that I was like, what the fuck is a clique? And he was just like, the fuck do I know? <laughs> Oh, uh, was that Lee Westwood's caddy? It might have been. It might have been. been. It was hilarious, though. I was she like, "Hey, what's the – Because one of the teams is called the Cliques or something like that, and yeah, I was so like, "Then you...
2: the Niblicks." Look, you got to ask Bud. Bud knows all this because apparently they're all old. Uh, they're all names for old clubs. Okay, old, old club style. So like the Niblicks, the Cleek, like all that. They're old golf terms that they've that the players chose to name their these these teams in. Oh, I don't know who chose actually. I say the players. I don't know who the hell chose to name. These well, teams the, the caddy had no
1: fucking clue. Yeah, I mean, he. You know, was, I'm not. He surprised. said in his <laughs> awesome northern fucking Britain accent, he was like, "The fuck do I know?" <laughs> I, I will say this, like, listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna try to harass a player, you got to at least be funny. Like that one dude yeah. made me laugh when he looked at Ian Poulter and was like, "Dude, what are you wearing a fucking tablecloth There's a pair of pants today?" It's like, all right, that was good. Even he, he was just like, "That's fucking mean, dude." Like. <laughs> Who Man, was okay. Pat, Pat fucking uh, what's his name? Pat Perez. Pat Perez. They, oh, somebody's like, yeah, Pat, wear them jays, kid. And Pat Perez stops, looks down, and goes, "Kid, I'm 42." So
2: Forty six, <laughs> oh, kid. i was gonna say there, there's no Pat. No Pat Perez is no kid. He's he hasn't been a kid in a long time.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
2: Yeah, Dude, like, all I know is
1: like, you know, right before Live Golf, Paparez was talking about how he just can't wait to go in the champion store and yeah. be 50 years old. And then it's like, oh, wait, I'm going to get paid to do this. Fuck that. Yeah, never mind. Right. Yeah, I'll, I I'll could, do this. I could you know, see- the, the, this whole conversation about Live and, and PGA and all that stuff. We've seen this before, though, right? I mean, mm-hmm. before the NFL that we have now, there was a, there was an NFL and then later yeah. became an AFL. And then yeah. they merged because the AFL just started offering crazy money to kids coming out of college. We saw it with Major League Baseball, right? The NL had the NL. It's the oldest league in in professional baseball. Then the AL, the junior circuit, came around in the early 1900s solely because certain teams got into beefs with the NL. And they were like, you know what? Fuck you. We'll start our own thing next door. Then then where are you going to be? And the NL always tried to downplay it like, we don't need you. And then all of a sudden they they did need them because, once again, the AL was willing to pay the players more money. And, and we're seeing it right now with live, which again is an exhibition at this point, but it does have the ability, as long as they have the money to play the players, as, as long as they have that money, they're going to, they're going to take players and they're going to have to, you're going to have to stand up and pay attention at some point. Well, I mean, I think that's yes. on, on that point. I think if they go the route of handpicking these, you know, massive talents coming out of college and saying, Hey, you don't have to go and lose money on the corn Ferry tour for the next year or year and a half. You don't have to sit there and try to grind it out and kill school and essentially go broke because
2: mm-hmm. that's
1: what Tony Fino did. Yeah. I mean, Tony Fino was literally what maybe one bad outing away from saying, fuck it. I'll go do something else in life. And we would have never get to see Tony about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's, it's they, these guys until they make it and until they get some wins or top twenties in the PGA tour, they are broke. Mm-hmm. And you and until you get those wins, you're not getting the net jets and Rolex and all, all that type of multi-million dollar, you know, where my shit on your polo deals. You're not getting it until you make a name for yourself. So if Liv can put a little money in these kids' pockets and say, Yeah, you can go bang around in Q school or the Corn Ferry tour and, and go play in South America and spend two thousand dollars on flights for you and your caddy and another thousand dollars for room and board, and maybe you walk out of there making fifteen hundred two thousand dollars, or you can just come here and play. And people will come pay to see you, and we'll we'll pay you a lot more than that, you know. Right now, here and now, and so I now, think that's a,
2: that's going to be the future. Here, well, so here's an interesting thought, though, and this just hit me right now. So I haven't even fully formulated this thought, so it might be a dumb question, but um, what do you think, though? Do you think that creates an opportunity, uh, not an opportunity, but but a, a chance of maybe some young talents coming out and not. Not having to grind it out like a lot of these, like like look, some of the best golfers in the world, the, the legendary golfers, they had to grind it out for a long time before they were known. Yep. And that's, I think, that's part of the journey mm-hmm. of what makes you become a, a great golfer because you need that mental adversity challenge. And if if they come out and are getting paid right away, so oh, definitely, watched, like, do they do they grind it out as much as they should or maybe need to to be able to hit their full potential? Are we are we going to see, say, the Live Tour last year for you know, five to ten years, but then eventually kind of fades off, folds or whatever, or just becomes some other exhibition tour out there. Are right. we gonna do you think we could see a long lasting effect as far as the, the talent that comes up in the next ten to twenty years because I, they just didn't have to work as hard?
1: I think you could definitely put a big value in, and a big number on the fact that if you don't think sitting over a putt like Sun JM for eleven million dollars difference True. If you don't think that doesn't come from knowing that, like, if I don't birdie this hole, I lose my tour card. If I don't make this putt, I don't get through Q school. Or if, if you know, if, if I don't, you know, make uh, the cut in the next three weeks of the Corn Ferry Tour, I'm freaking dead broke. broke. <laughs> and, and I got to beg somebody for money or take out a loan. I, I definitely think that builds oh. character and builds that endurance and that mindset to, you know – Get everything else out of your mind and just deal with the task at hand. So as far as you learn pressure right away by going up that way, and I think that if you have an easier journey, would that affect you as a golfer long-term? Probably. I think if you Mm -hmm. don't learn to deal with that adversity and that mental, essentially a handicap of knowing, hey, I might not be able to pay my mortgage if I don't sink like the next two putts in a row. Like Mm -hmm. I got to walk out of here on the last two holes with nothing worse than par birdie or I'm screwed. I think that definitely adds to you know your character and your ability as a player especially doing it earlier rather than trying to figure it out later but i think the biggest thing right now that's going to hold players back is knowing that live is a new brand new thing yeah they're throwing a lot of money out there right now but if they do decide to turn around and fold in a year or two are you now like are you that's it you better go sell cars or something or try to play people in local matches for a couple thousand dollars a pop or you know Try to get a Stableford match against some rich guy because you need to pay bills, and the PGA Tour just told you, "Yeah, you're blackballed for life." Sorry, made the wrong decision. I think that's going to be a bigger problem.
2: See, I don't think they're going to blackball people for life. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen because I think there's a certain handful of these guys. The PGA, if the lift folded, would would happily take back. Obviously, like it's going to be
1: everybody else, though.
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be your your Chase Kepkas, who who may may or may not be there just because he was part of the signing of Brooks, you know, or, or your. Right. You're, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the other young, but it's a lot of the maybe some of the younger names from overseas who you know here in the states we're not too familiar with, but the guys who are, like you said, maybe one of some of these college kids over the next couple of years who go and take that as their starting route, like yeah, th- maybe it does f- affect their career to where it never jumps off after that. Yeah, sure oh, they have this money now, but they're never going to be able to play professional golf maybe because you know they they've just missed that chance to get in at the time, or maybe it just takes them longer. I don't know. I it's a very good point though that. I think it, I think it, the, the the no the known the guys with no names are going to be all right no matter what happens here and that's why I think they took the chance that they did to make this business decision.
1: Right. And see and that's what the thing that surprised me I think there was one if not two amateurs playing uh at Trump Bedminster when we were there mm-hmm. and it was you like really wow that's 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 bold. That's like one of those hey, I'm going to I'm going to jump on board and, and and take the not guaranteed route. Yeah. And just ride with it because I mean me personally I think that's more scary because somebody like somebody like Bryson DeChambeau, somebody like uh, Dustin Johnson, they're never going to have to worry about money again for the rest of their lives. And they'll sure. always be Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau. It doesn't affect them as much as maybe an Abraham answer who, yeah, he, he's got a lot of money off this tour off uh, his live signing. But I mean, who's to say that he couldn't be bigger and better by people playing... forget how
2: much money Abraham answer made on the Euro tour. And dude, like, look, the man was, I, I think cut just a couple of years ago, he was like top 15, top 20 in the world, something like that. Yeah. So he he's, He's one of those that would be all right too, I think. But there's, they, I mean, there's a vast majority of these guys that it, it
1: could. It, that's the thing right now, though. The most of the field is made up of guys that are established, that have money. They'll be mm-hmm. fine. And then you got guys like Phil and and Paperez who are at the end of their career. They made their money. They're well established. So it doesn't matter what happens to Live Golf going, you know, five years into the future, two years into the future. It really doesn't matter much. It, it's. Everybody else that's that's making the jump, and I think the the Cam Smith one is is huge because I yeah, mean a, that's a big one. He's essentially what
2: it was. Him uh, and Rory were the, the two hottest players this year. You know, Fino yeah. had that stretch of like five weeks where he was untouchable, you know leading it to coming to the playoffs here, but as far as the entire year, it was Smith and Rory.
1: Yeah, and what did uh, I mean at the point that he just jumped over this week? What was Cam Smith third in world ranking?
2: Uh, I believe it's second.
1: Second? I mean, like it's, second in the world.
2: Yeah. I think what I mean I think after the FedEx Cup. Yeah, I think after the FedEx Cup. That's where you finish second in the world.
1: It's insane, dude, to make that jump and it it's it, it's going to be one of those things where I, I dude, I like watching Bryson DeChambeau for all the shit that around Bryson DeChambeau. People don't like him. People do like him. He just annoys dude,
2: me, that's all. But other than that, I, like he's still I, And I can talent. see that. <laughs> I
1: can see that 100%, but if you're going to yeah. tell me at the Arnold Palmer if you're not sitting there watching just to see him go for that par 5 one one, oh, I sure. Mean, Dude, and, and that's like – and everybody's saying, oh, you know, like it, I, I hate the friggin' rhetoric around the PGA Tour because essentially for people like us who are not, you know, single-digit handicappers, uh, <laughs> yeah, the game of golf, if you're playing legit and I, I get mad at myself and people give me shit all the time because it's like, dude, you're not in the tour. Why do you play like you're in the tour? You know, you, you just hit in, into a bunker and somebody decided not to rake it. Nobody on the tour is going to be hitting out a six-inch footprint. Why are you playing it? And it's like, ah, play it where it lies. It's like, fuck that. Pick it up, yeah. rake it, and play it, dude. You're handicapping yourself. It's like, nah. Listen, I, yeah. I, I'm one of those guys where if I'm going to break 80, I don't want that in the back of my mind that, like, I just raked out that bunker when I shouldn't have, and that might have been the difference in me breaking 80. Like, when I do it, I want to do it that. legit.
0: No, Nobody gets
1: that. mad at him about that. We get mad at him because he breaks clubs, and he gets all pissy, <laughs> and then you say something like, wow, it's really nice weather today, and he's like, shut the fuck up about
2: the goddamn weather. This day fucking sucks. I could I could see TJ being that guy on the course, 100%.
1: And then everybody around him can't say anything.
2: That's not true at all. The air
1: is like so thick around him that you're just afraid to speak.
2: And and probably, you know, let me see if I'm right here. I'm probably, what's (laughs) more I I probably know this too, right? here. At the start of the round, he's probably the guy going, hey, let's just go out there and have a great time, guys. This is going to be an awesome day. Like he starts out (laughs) with Mr. Positive. (laughs) Have you been following us?
1: (laughs) Dude, I. 100% how he is. (laughs) It's. I hate this game so much, and it's addictive. It do. really is. We all do. Dude, it, it, I, I, get a, I, I don't have the video to be able to put it up on, on my uh, laptop, but we uh, we were just in Myrtle Beach, me and my brother, and we played World Tour, which is essentially like uh, a course that's modeled after every great hole. They got like yep. four or five holes nice. uh, modeled after Augusta, Amen Corner, um, the whole shebang, and uh, we played that. Uh, it was pouring rain in the morning. Ended up uh, stop raining Like a fool, I took off my rain gloves and had to put them right back on because then it was like 90% humidity and I couldn't hold on to the club to save my life. Um, Ended up parring my way around Amen Corner. They're modeled after Amen Corner. I'm like, I'm bringing it back. I ended up having like six or seven pars in a row. And I'm like, why can't I do this to start the round? This is bullshit. We go play True Blue, which is a Mike Strands course. Uh, You know, same as Tobacco Road. Um, The place True Blue is beautiful. It's literally like Tobacco Road, but where there's – they're missing sand. They add in water because Tobacco Road, I think there's like one hole with water on it. And yeah. there, there was a lot. <clears throat> End up shooting one of the best rounds of my life. I'm shooting an 80 going into a- the 18th. The guy we're playing with a member down there. And I ask him, I'm like, I see the water cuts back in, you know, close to the green. And we were playing, I usually play around somewhere between 62 and 6,500 yards. I never play the tips. I can't hit the yeah. ball 320 yards. So my average drive is between, 250 260 every once in a while I'll, I'll catch one right and hit a 270 sure good yeah, for we're, me
2: we're roughly the same then as far as yeah. the drive. When, when we actually hit it hit it right
1: dude yeah well <laughs> that's the thing i i can hit I can't it you know, the
2: tee right now so
1: <laughs> consistently i can hit it 250 yards but it may go 50 yards to the right and sure. that's what i'm struggling with the rights and then i overcorrect, and then you, you hit a pure shot when you're not supposed to like i said i'm shooting 80 going into 18 par four Water down the left side, and I asked the guys, I'm like, dude, it looks like the water comes back in before the green. He goes, yeah, but it's, like, right before the green. I'm like, is it reachable? I was like 260 drive, 270 maybe if I get a hold of it. He's like, not today because it's so wet out and it's so humid. The ball's just digging in and sticking. He goes, you should be fine. Pull my driver. We go down there, and where's my ball? They have the water set up where it's literally a bunker into water. Like, it's a a side hill of sand, and then water starts. And my frigging ball rolls right through the fairway, about 270 yards where it ended up, maybe 35 yards from the green. And my ball is like an inch underwater, like oh, half submerged. Geez. And I'm like, screw this shit. I take my socks off. I take my shoes off. There's frigging gators everywhere down there. We just saw two on yeah. the hole before us. Like two six-foot gators are swimming around. And I'm like, the hell with it. I- I'm rescuing this. I decide, let me not bite off more water. Let me play it out to the side and aim for the friggin' bunker. Played out to the side perfectly. Some guy driving uh, one of the mowers past us goes, "Holy shit, that was awesome!" He got out of that water right into the bunker. <laughs> took me three shots to get out of the frigging bunker. Ended up making an eight and shooting eighty-eight, and I was losing my mind. <laughs> Lose, I was like, I should have taken the frigging drop penalty. Should have and just took my and just frigging punished me right up there. Pitched it right on, you well, know, for, a, a, putt for and a, a bogey, for, yeah. yeah, double bogey maybe with a two putt, and and would have been fine. No. I'm an asshole. I actually get field. out of the water. I feel good about getting out of the water, and then I can't get out of the freaking bunker. He, he's Tim Cup. He's the guy that's like, <laughs> oh, I didn't get it I on from it. here. Fuck it. We're going to go. We're still you know what? And, Listen, and, and if I was smart, I, I would have just said, you know what? Leave that ball there with the Gators because we got our promo code, score 10, 10% off our entire purchases at Piper Golf. Yep. So I should have just left the ball as a souvenir to the Gators. You know, maybe somebody would have lost their hand like Chubbs going for it. I don't know, <laughs> dude. That could have been you. Could have been me. I would have lost the, a foot though. Losing a,
2: I was just gonna say losing a foot, the foot though. Yeah.
1: I, and then I would have been faster. I would have been banned from the Olympics if I would have got one of those, you know, paddle things to run on. They're like, no, he's too fast <laughs> now. That he's, dude, you might have been able to get on the Olympic tour as a as like the as the uh, as a handicap golfer. Legitimately, oh, I couldn't. Yeah, I, there's there's nothing handicap I can handicap. do to play golf professionally anyway. I, I dude, you ever <laughs> see these kids that do like before uh, the Masters? They do like the, the chip putt and drive challenge. Yeah. And you you watch an eight-year-old and you're like, dude, F you. I've never hated an eight, eight-year-old ass. more in my life. Yeah. <laughs> that kid weighs 96 pounds and just hit the ball 260 down the dead center of the fairway. Kiss my ass. He wants to Zach Hample, those eight-year-olds. Bastards. Dude, That's it's crazy. amazing. It's great that you
2: brought up Piper, though, because I got to buy a new, uh, new box of balls myself. Because oh. my, my last round out, I went through a good amount of them. So,
1: uh, which bowl do you play uh, generally from Piper? The Blues. So do I'm a thirteen okay. I'm
2: usually a thirteen handicap. So I, I play the Blues. Kind of fits right in the right in that wheelhouse for me. Gotcha. I got the Blues. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli. I guess. Haha, ha!
1: In my dentist's office.
2: Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be
0: ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible.
2: Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather.
0: Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.
1: Yeah. I, I bounce between the black and the gold. And I got the the, I can't play golf well blues. I love yeah. the gold around the greens, but uh, if my drive is a little, if I'm leaving the club face a little too open and sometimes a little too spinny, <laughs> got to go yeah. down to the blacks.
2: Yeah. Well, my yeah. Club, club face being open is a, uh, is a big issue for me, but Hey, I, I just fixed my iron swing by, cause I discovered the proper um, weight transfer. Thanks, to, okay. thanks for the help of bud. And look, it, I was at the range and I couldn't stop smiling cause I was, everything was in the air straight and at the proper consistent distance for each club. And I was like, this is how golf is supposed to feel like yeah. <laughs> like where i'm not at the range like you know telling people they got to be watching you know watching out 90 degrees for me it's it's amazing i so like i said down in myrtle
1: beach i actually was especially because true blue it just happens to open up very wide in the fairways at like the 240 to 280 oh. mark where it's very forgiving right and left so yeah. i was just you know trying to essentially just hit like 250-yard, you know, fairway finders because it's a large fairway. And if you miss, there's nothing else around it. You're just going into danger. And like I said, those bunkers are insane. So I did very very well down there. But playing up here in the northeast uh, with the tighter fairways, it's, you know, a little bit right or left. Kills me every time off the tee. My putting, the last six or seven rounds, I've kept my putts (laughs) under 36 putts for 18 holes. So my putting is actually helping me and not hurting me which yep. is amazing, but I just consistently bounce from uh, this season I've been as low as a 14.2 handicap and as high as like a 17. I just yeah. like – it just it, – it's I never pull it all together. And if I'm driving the ball well, I will exactly. shit the bed from 80 yards in every yep. time.
2: Yeah, I'm still looking to break 90. That's still my goal for this summer. So we'll see if it can Dude, Summer's over on Monday, man. <laughs> but fair enough. we find so fall what's, too. what's your
1: lowest uh, career round?
2: My lowest career round is 92. Okay. And that, and that was a round that I, start, I I had like a, like, I went out, it was one of those rounds where I went out, like, not caring, whatever, because I had a group on to play at this, this nice course up here, Townsend and Country Club. They included a card. It was just a beautiful day. And I went out there, started out the through the first three holes. I was one under, and I was like, what the hell nice. is this? Like, nice. not, but, but then I started to get the nerves in me So I was like, well, shit, I'm actually playing good. I might be able to do something here. And then, of course, yeah. you know. No, Dude, I have it to my normal self, but those three holes helped me get to, get to that
1: 92. It's amazing. So my lowest is an 83. Um, I shot an 83 and 84 this year, and then a couple rounds in the high 80s. Mm-hmm. And then I am like that guy. Like, I, I try to explain it to my father in a way that, like, he's like, why are you pissed off? Like, it's a beautiful day. I'm like, because I just shot, like, a 103. I yeah. was like, you know how insane that is to go from shooting an 86 to shooting a one? I said, that's the equivalent of bowling. Bowling for average at two fifty, and then going out there and throwing a ninety eight, and being like, "Dude, what
2: happened?" Yeah, that's the equivalent of like if you if you're playing fairly good, that's like five holes. Yeah, like four or five holes, right there. That's oh, a I know the difference.
1: Your old man and I are going to start playing golf without you because we can actually just have a good day, like out in the sun and stuff like that, without having anybody break clubs or threaten the trees so I've or the groundskeeper. I so I broke one club this year. I like how you. This year. this
2: year, I was gonna point it out. I was, Dude, last year I
1: broke two clubs on a, on our golf trip. Geez. Two of them, one of them on, on like the first par three over water. When I I literally two in a row right in the water, and I'm like, you son of a bitch.
2: So what's, the, go- what's the most clubs you've broken in a year in a season? Then a golf season. Uh,
1: <laughs> when you have to think about it, it's a lot, guys. No,
2: no. Honestly, honestly,
1: probably last year, and I think I broke three. Two at the golf trip, and then after that, I I broke okay. my wedge. Let, let's let's add on nice that. must so be to be rich like that, dude.
2: So that's broken clubs. How many more went into the water?
1: I've I, <laughs> Only <laughs> once have I ever thrown a club okay. towards water. Only one time, and it literally it, – it was like when they tried to skip the ball at, uh, what is that, the 16th at Augusta. Yeah, dude, yeah. this <laughs> thing went over the water and ended up on the other side, and I had to do, like, the embarrassing anger walk <laughs> To go collect my that's club what, like asshole. What you asshole. get for
2: trying to throw your club in the water? That's perfect. Absolutely.
1: Karma. <laughs> that was that was that was years ago. That was the only one. I never throw my club to intend intend on breaking it. Yeah. It's usually just throwing it straight at the ground, but it's okay. it almost the the last last year and then the one club I broke this year. Both times it just happened that the club had stuck in the ground and the shaft kept going and it snapped. Oh. So it's never like I never break them over my knee. Nothing so you like that. My I don't.
2: Groundskeeper too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, that's one thing I do, dude. I'm, I'm meticulous with fiction shit. And okay. I, no, there's nothing that pisses me off more than when you walk up to a green and there's like just craters all around. It's like, come oh. on. It's like, so I don't it's, need it's, any more reason to miss it. Or it's 11 a.m. The sprinklers are on.
2: So, new rule. New that rule, kills me. Nick, new rule for you guys for next season when, when TJ plays. He, if he breaks a club, he does not get to buy a new one. He has to duct tape that shit and play with it the rest of the round. I think it's that's funny. That, the
1: one club That's fair. It, the last two years, it's been the same club that I broke <laughs> twice. And it's been my my 56 degree uh you know uh zip core wedge. And that's a great uh, club. It is a great <laughs> club. It is a great club, but I have my old Cleveland to back it up, so I like I just play out the rest of the season oh, so with you that. Backup, I you have
2: backup clubs
1: just in case. It's, fun, you get it's a funny fiery. this year I so I, I was playing um Taylor made Speed Blades, loved them. <laughs> uh, just regripped them last season with the, you know, the wind dry tack rips. Absolutely love the wind dry tack rips. Can't recommend them enough. I love that soft, tacky feel. I, I feel like I yep. can really hold on to the club, especially coming from, like, you know, playing baseball my whole life where, like, I'm choking the shit out of the bat. Sure. It, it's nice to have that, like, feel of the club. And I'm one of the I, – I, I know I hold the club too hard because I just feel like I'm going to lose it. Um, I'm not one of those, like, oh, soft hands. No, I'll, I'll throw a club 40 yards unintentionally if I soft hand it. But uh, I – I won um, a raffle this year at work where I won a uh, Callaway uh, set of irons, ended up training them in and getting the uh, the stealth irons, and I absolutely love them. The only problem with the stealth irons is they're too hot. So okay. it's great for like 90% of the time where if I catch it a, a little thin or off the toe, it still you know goes where I, I need it to go, maybe miss a little bit by five or six yards this way or that way. Sure. But every once in a while, man, when you catch it pure – like we were just playing last week and i managed to put my approach wedge my 50 degree wedge 30 yards over the green and i was 115 out it's like i oh, jesus how did i just hit my approach wedge a 9 iron distance like i don't know yeah. what just happened <laughs> cuz i cu- i i caught it pure
2: i was yeah. like shit and you can't help that sometimes so no, you, it's you, so you brought up grip so you're more of a traditional so and i'm going to talk specifically putters here cuz i Traditional grip putter compared to those massive thick ones. I hate the massive thick ones. I, I can't. I can't hold those. The super. I, went, stroke.
1: I did get the super stroke, but not the huge one. I got the one that's kind of shaped like a home plate, where it comes to a point at the back of it, so it fits right sure. in your finger groove, perfect. So I don't mind.
2: It, I don't mind that because then it, it yeah it fits it, in there. I, there. I like
1: it because it's nice and flat where you put your thumbs, so you can put your thumbs yeah. right down the shaft, it, and I really like that that putter. But the <laughs> the putter oh I had before gosh. that, what? You still talking about golf? Yeah, <laughs> the putter I had before that had one of those. It came with that one of those um, huge super stroke grips that were just like, uh, am I holding a freaking pool noodle right now? Like, I don't know what's yeah. going on. Like I can't I hate use it. those.
2: It was like, I when gave I that go, club to my brother. <laughs> so when I when I putt, well, I, I put kind of like I, I'm almost like it's almost like a half Happy Gilmore putt for me. Like I actually I only have one hand, my left hand on the grip. I'm a righty. My okay. right hand is actually on the shaft, the metal shaft part of the shaft itself, and it's I use my arm to kind of keep it straight. So I I, I let my arm go down the shaft a bit and, and hold the metal with my right hand. I got it's you. a little weird, but you know what it's, is I found it is what works for me. Dude, it's it, it got weird as soon as
1: you guys started talking about super strokes <laughs> and uh, going down the shaft and where you're <laughs> placing your thumbs and. Listen, man. Oh, it, it doesn't oh matter. Whatever works works, right? Like uh, a couple times this year, we saw a couple people do the cross-handed chip, and it was like, yeah.
2: How do you do that? I I've tried that. It, it's I've tried it. It's too. not easy. I've tried to, but well, but I but I actually do when I do when I chip, I actually do. It's not far off, but I do. I I turn. I overturn my right hand over so that it's almost, It's like I I can't move. It's, it really stiffens everything up, and it, it does work, man. I I don't mind i knew the face was coming back <laughs> dude
1: i just i so i just like i never you always see these tour guys like spin the ball back tremendously and
2: yeah just because
1: go. the way we are were golfing i when i'm trying to chip it, it, it it's like dude i'm not aiming for a garbage can i'm aiming for somewhere where i could just two putt in yeah. and just get it somewhere around the hole and i have no problem pulling the texas wedge from 10 yards off the green if it's nice and manicured and there's no sprinkler heads in the way on
2: the on the green from 60 feet away is still on the green and a win for me
1: yeah dude absolutely <laughs> but
2: i just you know watched a couple
1: videos uh and people are like you want that and you want it to stick it and pull back like you got to use your hands when you're chipping you got to get that club face through the ball yeah. and almost facing back at you and i'm like wait what
2: so like, i did start, I, I just I did try re- to square me. it off I did recently, like, because I've always chipped very, like, very stiff, and, yeah. and like, cause I've always been telling you know for the short chips, act like it's a putt, and it'll let the club do the work. But I have recently found you do get so much more control when you do flip those wrists up, the hands up, right. and it, once you get that, it is good. Now, look, I'm not gonna go out there and try to learn how to backspin the ball and shit because the second I start doing that, I'm gonna fuck up my entire game. <laughs> it's not gonna be pretty.
1: The I the only just thing-
2: figured out how to hit my iron straight consistently. Why would I want to try to do anything more than that?
1: The only thing me and my brother do every time we're at the range is like, all right, stinger time, and neither one of us can figure it out. It's just like, you know, you watch that one dude on TikTok. uh, What's his name? What the hell is that guy's name? That All he does is has stinger videos. Um, Zach Radford. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His videos are just insane. So me and my brother sitting there. At at (laughs) the end of every range session when we're about to go out there, it's like, all right, four iron stingers. It's like, all right, let's do it. And my brother's like this hitting tops. He's like, that's a stinger. I'm like, dude, that went 40 yards. That ain't a yeah. stinger." a He's like, but it stayed low. The like, ball's Yeah, because like be- you didn't
2: get it off the ground. The ball's like behind your back foot. like,
1: Dude, it's, it's absolutely insane. And then listening to Tiger Woods try to explain how he hits a stinger, but that yeah. guy doesn't understand that we don't understand his feel. And everything with him yeah. is feel because he's hit a billion golf balls. So what makes sense in his brain, it's just like, yeah, he's you like, abbreviate I'm- it and you just feel the hands coming through. It's like, I, I don't
2: know what that means, dude. He's like, all you got to do is clench that third ab and, you know, really feel your forearm. And yeah. it's like, what? No. Let, just- it's it's you want to hold on to it
1: like when you're driving your uh, Bentley down, you know, yeah. in Florida. It's like, nah, I, I don't know what that feels
2: like either, sir. Yeah. When you when you see that turn coming, you just say, fuck it. You know, that feeling that you get when you pull into a Denny's and, you know, I
1: can have this waitress. Yeah. And I think I think with that one uh, ends the golf conversation. <laughs> but before we close up tonight, we were TJ and I were discussing something, and Andrew, uh, we'd like to hear your your input on the uh, on on the situation. We were talking about best advertisements starring athletes that aren't necessarily about athletics. Now, we'll include uh, advertisements for like let's say something like Nike, only because okay. it's kind of hard to exclude that. But uh, So my pick was Macho Man Randy Savage, Slim Jim. I think mean, that's the greatest advertisement of all time because if I asked either one of you, would you like a Slim Jim, what would your response be? Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> right?
1: I was, at, I, was so at a, uh, I was at a charity. Not, a, not necessarily. I was at an, a, an awareness walk on Saturday. And they're giving out like snacks and uh, want a slim gym. And, and everybody that they asked, you want a slim gym? Everybody grabbed everybody one. Snap it. It to a slim gym. Oh, yeah. Like you can't help yourself. No, you can't. Absolutely.
2: Uh, yeah, what, are, what are
1: your thoughts on that, Andrew?
2: So I'm blanking on like some real, like some real good vintage ones. I know in recent years, my, I, I've loved the Baker Mayfield ones at the Brown Stadium. And and I love it mainly because I think they missed out on such a – he missed out on such a big opportunity when he left there to have a commercial with a moving truck backing mm-hmm. up. Like, it would have been freaking gold. Like, how do you not do that? <laughs> like, just, just go for it. Um, so, look, I, I love that. And I'm, I'm, I'm shamelessly going to say that. I'm looking here on Google to try to see if I can spark my memory because I am blanking on all like the early 2000 like athlete commercials. On- you you, right
1: you had one, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the the gold standard is definitely the Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Big Mac for McDonald's commercial. Oh, yeah, Bank yeah. it off the scoreboard, off the last row, hit the concession stand, and then like that commercial is it, it, it's got to be like the top of the tops. Uh, but if it, just to throw this out there, because I'm sure Andrew's seen this a million times, the Sports Center with Tiger Woods when he's walking through the Sports Center at HQ and the galleries following him is oh yes. hilarious. <laughs> absolutely
2: yeah. hilarious. I like I like the one with us just because you brought up Tiger when Tiger and Rory are on the range and they start. Um... Trying to, I think it is sports related, but they try start trying to figure out uh, who like they get their balls in different holes, and it's like in people's cops and then people's um like in a bathtub or something like you know miles away, like that. That's just good fun. I'm, I'm a big fan of anything that just is lighthearted.
1: Oh, if you like lighthearted, I put one in a community pool this past week. Eighteenth <laughs> <In> <18th laughs> hole, I dude. Love it. I, have a bad case of the rights the whole time. Strengthen up my grip. Decide to go down the left side and. uh Yeah, we get down there, it's all out of bounds, and there's a community pool associated with, you know, where the golf course is and the community and the clubhouse and all that stuff. And I go walking to look for my ball, and the lifeguard comes over and goes, hey, if you're looking for a ball, one of you just put it in the pool. I was like, that was probably me. I'm so sorry. He's like, no, you're good. You didn't hit anybody. Just drop it over there. But he goes, you put it in the pool. So, I listen, I, I, I didn't shoot that great. I think I shot like a maybe a 92 or something like that. But at the end, I had bragging rights. Like, did anybody else hit the pool?
2: No, shut up. No, just you. I had a a friend. I might have told you guys before, actually. I had a friend. uh, So we couldn't find his golf ball, but we found a dead turtle with a golf ball size hole in the shell. Oh, my God. (laughs) He managed to – it must have bounced off of the turtle and went back into the water, but he crushed this turtle. (laughs) I
1: have one that's very similar. It happened to my cousin. He was playing. He hit his drive. He topped the shit out of it. It was like a foot off the ground for like the first sixty yards, and he watched this friggin' squirrel hop out of the tree line, and he killed the friggin' squirrel, dude. <laughs> oh. It like just met like right along it's the like edge Grant, of the fairway. Randy
2: Johnson and the dude, just, or whatever bird that was, <laughs>
1: and the, it was the ball and the squirrel laying right next to it, and he like he's like, Jeez. dude, the rest of the round, I swear to God, all the squirrels on the course were staring at me.
2: He's like, they knew, <laughs> they just knew. So, uh,
1: as far as advertisements go, honorable mention: Bo Jackson for the bow nose. Oh no.
2: I, I just scrolled past that in my little quick Google search yeah. here. If I see if I can spark my memory here, that the the best part about that is Wayne Gretzky when he's
1: like, oh, doesn't know." Wayne Gretzky in St. Louis jersey. Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to
2: spark my memory.
1: I, so, but... be, last, last little bit about golf. I think my greatest accomplishment of other, <laughs> other than hitting Nick, houses, which I do quite often. Evolve,
2: then, uh, thumbs or shafts. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, other than hitting the occasional house or you know back deck or something like that, and people come out and look, and it's like, was that you? Like, no, dude, my ball's over here, and you do the proverbial
2: yeah, the little drop, drop out of your pocket. pants, say, it's
1: right here. <laughs> um, I playing in South Carolina in Myrtle Beach. I I hit a car doing about forty miles an hour, oh, which was like like a one in a billion shot. I I pull it left. It's not even OB over there. Like you could play yeah. it from the street, and <laughs> it's just going down the left side tree line at this street. And the car is just going, and you just hear a, and the guy slams on his brakes immediately, pulls off to the side, and we're playing with a local dude down there. And he's like, man, people have guns down here. I'm not going over there. I'm like, you think I'm going over there? I was like, we're waiting until he drives away. And we just stood on the tee box staring at him, and he's staring at us until he finally decided to leave because he had better things to do. The second and then I you went see and played him it walking your way,
2: you're just, you're just standing over a phantom ball with your club, just practice swinging. We were like, literally bro, just standing paying. there staring
1: at him like, dude, you, you got to make the move. Like, we're not leaving. We're staying on this tee box, and if you start driving this way, we're running away. Like, yeah. You can keep that Bridgestone E6, sir.
2: I don't think I've ever, I, I have never like hit any. I mean, I look, I've hit some houses, but like I, I don't know where in the house I hit, but I've heard the, the thud and I've <laughs> seen the general, there's the a house in that general area, so I know. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I can't think of like a, like something that I personally, I've seen many people hit different things, but.
1: You ever have somebody yell at you for hitting their house? No. Oh, I had, Nick was there. I had a guy come out and, Flip out and it, it, listen, it was a bad slice, but it you live on a golf course, and well, I be the worse roof. slices
2: than yours, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I walked over there, and the guy goes, Did you hit, hit your ball over here? I was like, Yeah, I did. He goes, It hit the house. I'm like, Oh, I'm really sorry. Did that cause any damage or anything like that? which just for anybody listening, those signs <laughs> on the golf course that say it's your responsibility, it is not your responsibility. Unless you maliciously and intentionally, and Rook can attest to this as a lawyer, unless you purposely try to hit somebody's house, if you line up your golf yeah. ball aimed at their bay windows and swing through it, you're not responsible for it. They're living on a golf course. It, it, it's it's, it's be pretty like, much an unintentional hazard of living on a golf course. There's going to be hazard insurance. Right, there's and that's be- why you have home insurance. Yeah, but I'm there- not –
2: Do golf course houses have like special, uh, a special like hazard insurance in their homeowners insurance? Like supposedly, I was told,
1: uh, especially those usually communities that have HOAs. There's, it's part of the HOA that they'll repair damages from golf balls and stuff. It's built into the HOA fee. Uh, Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I don't live in one of those HOAs, but it would make sense. It would make Um, sense, yeah. But this dude comes outside and he's like, "Yeah, holding his baby." Uh, yeah, holding his kid. They weren't outside. Dude, they were not They were not outside when I, I, I hit the shot.
2: Yeah, so it's not like he almost hit him. he was just high on energy dude, or anything like that. Dude, he literally
1: was like, you know, I got kids in here. It's like, again, I was not trying to hit your house, sir. I was trying to hit that yeah. fairway, and clearly he, I missed. You messed up. You should have been like, well, maybe if you kept him inside and didn't bring him outside when people are hitting golf balls, he wouldn't be in any danger. <laughs> they weren't out there, though. Like, you just wanted to make a statement he, that, like. brought him out there and now exposed him because I was the next one swinging. That kid was not safe. <laughs> That's true.
2: That's true. When Nick swings, it, it, it would have been great. Impact. It would have been great if the second he turns back to walk on the house, he did the same exact thing. Though would I should have fantastic. just, I should have lobbed one
1: at the back of his legs and been like, "Oh, my bad, dude." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just my second one. one and went into run. your finish. <laughs> that that would have stirred the pot up real good. Oh, that uh, God. God. Well, <laughs> said, You know what? I should have told that kid. Uh, yeah, well, maybe if your house was in the middle of the fairway, I would hit a fucking fairway today. It's your fault. I'm blaming you. <laughs> but all that being said, Andrew, thanks for coming on the show. Uh yeah, where thank you brother.
2: yeah. Thanks for having me. So look, I have got a lot, we've got a lot of things coming up. So Bud and I on the divisive pivot show, like I said earlier, we got lucky enough to get the media credentials to the live tour this weekend up here and at the international. So we'll be out there all weekend. You can catch us on the TikTok. Uh, I just said on the TikTok. Well, on the I, TikTok. What am I, 60? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do it. on TikTok, Love it. on Twitter, uh, on, uh, on YouTube all weekend long with, with some live content there. And look, I gotta, I'm going to have an me. article coming out on bellyupsports.com later this week uh, actually about the, PG, the the current state of affairs between the PJ and the Liv. I just decided to write that today. So check that out, bellyupsports.com. And if you're football fans, my rankings were just posted, belly up Fantasy Sports. I have an article preview in the Patriots a little teaser. They're gonna suck. Um, so uh yeah, check me out. I'll be I'll be very active over the next few months with football season. So I'm yeah, dude, for I'm
1: looking forward to the content uh, up there with your media credentials. We got denied, unfortunately. We got. That's the- what Anthony was telling me,
2: but it makes sense because at Trump's course and knowing that he was there, I bet your people were going. The there media was insane.
1: That was there. Like I, I mean, it was absolutely incredible the amount of cameras and stuff like that that were out yeah. there. And that's what Nick was saying. He goes, "Dude, it's Trump course. So even." Even news media outlets that have nothing to do with sports and everything yeah. to do with politics were getting their media credentials just to try to make it a political thing, you know. Yeah. But it, it's they they were very nice about it. They were like, "Hey, we had to give out too many media credentials. We had uh, way too many
2: to supply." Yeah. But hey, here's four free tickets for the entire weekend. Oh, and- so I didn't know they did that. for you. That's awesome, dude. Man, yeah, they, <laughs> U.S. Open didn't do that to me when they denied us uh, credentials for that. So what the fuck? <laughs> one us open <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> it, it was up. like
1: holy shit it, they were like and it was like a promo code like hey just put it in your cart and check out i put the tickets in my cart for the whole weekend i was like 900 bucks like uh, uh, all right free put this promo code in
2: free no tax no not i was like thank Bye, you very much oh my gosh yeah, dude, exactly. Okay, it was epic. okay I'm, I, might be, I might be going to the live tour now. <laughs> I'll cross Presser next on on Sunday.
1: <laughs> I will say this: listen, they, the, the food was great there. They had plenty of food trucks and stuff like that. The the booze was reasonably priced, definitely cheaper than going to a ballpark to get a beer. I think the beers are around seven bucks um
2: well, you know what you I, I, you pay that in some boston bars so okay yeah
1: absolutely same here in new york city so it, it was definitely a fun time the I, I think the food trucks made it for me just being able to bounce around it's like oh shit empanadas oh look uh crab cakes and oh, all right pulled pork i'm in let's do it yeah no, so I'm, I'm, it, it was a good time. I, 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 dude, I can only imagine the. It's going to be the same kind of reception for you guys, and you're going to have a blast. So I look forward to seeing your content because yeah, we had part. a great time. And even my father, who's he likes golf, but is not into it as much as we are, he was like head over heels, loved it. Definitely try out the impossible putt. My father actually sank it, and oh it yeah. Was, it always oh, a killer because we were talking about going to get Tex Mex and slamming down margaritas. My father's got to be the designated driver. He did not. <laughs> he was not game for that. Didn't want to deal with a car full of drunk people. So I like, "Listen, dude, you sink the impossible putt, we won't go." He's like, "That's bullshit. I'm not going to make this putt." He frigging hits the putt. I'm like, "Damn it!" <laughs> just the whole night just ruined. Like, <laughs> dude, I thought I was money in the bag with that margarita, and then he has yeah. to walk it off.
2: Sheesh. bastard! Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm excited. It's my first, you know look I haven't even been to a PGA event. I haven't been able to I keep trying to go well, oh, it's just expensive. So I haven't even been so this is yeah. my first live golf event in general so I'm looking forward to it. I've, uh and yeah, hopefully I've maybe, tried you know. for the
1: past 10 years for the Masters tickets lottery and I always oh, get yeah, the that's... uh email like hey nope. Yeah, that's one that's... last thing to, now that you've brought up the Masters a uh, shout out to my buddy Fernando. He's down in Augusta unfortunately uh got shot while he was down in Augusta oh, by shit. some psychopath in an adjacent hotel room while he was sitting in his room minding his own business. He'd have been better off going out drinking. That wouldn't have happened to him. Good That's God. what he gets for staying in his room, studying should have been out <laughs> drinking on a Saturday. He should have been out doing bad things and he wouldn't have got shot, but he's doing well. Thank God. Special shout out to him. Uh Unless you're wearing a green jacket, Augusta is not the greatest place in the world.
2: Fernando is in, uh, isn't short for uh, Brian Robinson. Is it?
1: No, no it's not. <laughs> no, no,
2: no.
1: But, uh, catch brutal. Andrew
2: just sitting in his hotel room. That's brutal. I'm sorry. I'll let you continue yeah. the outro.
1: Uh, catch Andrew pivots and pivots. TJ and I will be back next week. Special guest, uh, Coach Mike Westoff. Uh, we're uh, I actually nice. read his book yeah. and with um, with uh, the season, uh, Preseason over. Cuts coming up uh, or being finalized today with the waiver wire. We're going to discuss the upcoming NFL season. Uh, what is going through his brain as a coach before the big game started off the season. Um, and, of course, the Jets kick off on 9-11. Uh, we'll talk to him about what it was like uh, coaching the first game after 9-11 and, and his, his memories of it because he did say it was one of his favorite uh, moments as a coach to, to represent um, at that time. Um, but we'll catch you again next week here. Same bat time, same bat channel. We appreciate you guys watching with us, and we'll see you next week.